Now broadcasting live on Ustream or direct to your portable device from Martin Road Studios. Bagdenboard.com presents the Bagged and Board Cast. You said your parents don't listen to this. Drink my beer, it's good. It doesn't work if you're not wearing a mariachi suit. Uh, what? Uh. <laughs> oh my goodness, that is crazy. He just looked at me like, should I punch you? <laughs> Does that mean you're not going to count me down this time, Paul? That's exactly right. You have to count me down before I can come in. And remember, not five or four, but three. It has to be three. It has to be three. Go. Three, two. Hey, everyone. This is Chris. I'm on the Magnum Broadcast. That's what we always say, right? (laughs) No. Oh. Can can you do it again? Okay. (laughs) Three, two. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Magnum Broadcast, episode number 124. I'm Chris. I'm John. Did we already do this? <laughs> I feel like we have, but I'm Paul. <laughs> I, I swear we did this the other day. I swear we did. This weird deja vu thing happening here. It is, that is what's happening. I remember sitting in the room uh-huh. with all the new fancy the, equipment. The stuff here, the equipment. Beer in front of me uh-huh. and talking a lot. And a stack of comic books. Drink, uh-huh. Drinking a lot, too. Because we do this every week, though. So maybe that's what happens. We do it multiple times in a week. <laughs> Sometimes we do it. Again and again, because sometimes we don't get all three parts. Oh, what now are those three parts? Well, the first would be the Week in Geek, that uh, where we bring you the top geek stories of the past week. <laughs> then we follow that up with what? The list. <laughs> and we're looking for the comic books to the thirtieth. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Today, okay. Today, the thirtieth. <laughs> exactly. We recorded it two days ago. <laughs> <laughs> that we lost. <laughs> And there's the joke. We brought the listeners on the inside little loop. Hey, it's, uh, it's, it's one of our fabled uh, lost episodes. Yeah. yeah. Well, well it was really lost. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually very lost. And then we follow that up with our week, uh, monthly, <laughs> <laughs> our monthly look back. We'll take a look at the books that came out over the month of May. And yes, we can say that now because we've had all of May's books. Yes, <laughs> we have. We're and not we, skipping a week. We that's why. That's why Paul threw away part of the episode. <laughs> you don't want to be a liar. I'll tell you this: when we record on Sundays, we're so much more professional. We, we are. are. <laughs> There's not that resentment in the air against Paul <laughs> that he lost part and, of the episode. <laughs> and uh, on Sunday, we, rev- we reviewed uh, the Holy Moses White by uh, White Al from um, Great Lakes. Great Lakes. Which was a good one. It was, yeah, it was good. I, you know, it was very mellow. Uh, nice spice in the beginning. Finished off very like kind of just clean and kind of left you wanting, wanting a I little more. Yeah, uh, like I it. liked it for a good summer porch beer. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it. Was, it was hot in the room when we recorded, and it was it went down really fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not as fast as our other beer. Yeah, because <laughs> we also did big flats. Exclusively distributed by Walgreens. Two ninety nine a six pack. If you guys want a shotgun a beer, I do have Magic Hat in cans. <laughs> <laughs> we, we could. We could. Are you gonna Are you gonna pause it and then lose this? Again? <laughs> <laughs> I, I promise I won't lose this. I know what happened before. I can't make the same mistake twice. No, <laughs> <laughs> never. You also can't mimic a. Uh... The sound of a, See, when I when twice. I do something perfect, I can't do it again. When I do something horrible, I can't do it the same thing again. See, it's hey. it's it's the you know the scales. There you it's go. The scales of falling out. Yeah, there we go. So I have to say, Magic Hat number nine out of the can, 
better to chug than the big flats. It's it's the best thing I've ever shotgunned out of a can. <laughs> That's very it, true. It's it's a it's a good solid beer, and I, it, it tastes good in a can. I, I have to say, it was pretty good. Yeah, I, out of the can, I I kind of almost liked it a little more out of the bottle because. Lately, out of the bottle, I feel like it's been a little watered down. I don't know what it is. Hasn't impressed me recently out of the variety packs, but you know, you gotta bring something to the park. There you go. Because you can't bring glass bottles into New York State parks. Not allowed. Hmm. Glass is not allowed near the pool. Interesting. How many pools do you go to? Not many. Okay. <laughs> Just saying. Just saying. They ruined the water filters. Is that true? It's very true. So does semen. <laughs> what? Don't ejaculate in a park's pool. <laughs> I don't know if I want to know why we would know, do that. I don't know. There's people throwing bottles around. <laughs> there are people ejaculating everywhere. There's glass bottles and cum everywhere. <laughs> what world do you live in, Chris? He lives in the real world. <laughs> oh. yeah, take off those rose-colored glasses. <laughs> Sorry, we're not in the magical land of Candyland. I guess not. But- Hobos throwing their bottles and ejaculating everywhere. <laughs> Especially in pools at children. Oh, man, this is news to me. Oh, news. <laughs> oh, that brings us right up to the Weekend Geek. Uh, probably the biggest news is that now available for your downloading pleasure, Arkham City, Harley's Revenge. Uh, it's going to be full little uh, challenge. Uh, Batman coming into Arkham City a couple weeks after what has happened inside of said prison. Uh, Harley's the only super criminal left, and she has a gang of thugs, thugs that she wants to kill Batman with. Yeah, this uh, picks up right at the end of Arkham City. Um, cool thing about this one is not only do you get to control Batman, but also much like in Arkham City, where you would revert back and forth between her or between Batman and Catwoman. Only if you downloaded the which you had no reason new, not to. It yeah. came with the it came with a free thing. Uh, but this one, you get to go back and forth between Batman and Robin, which is kind of cool. Oh, that is After cool. doing the uh, challenge maps as Robin, he's someone kind of cool to play as. I mean, there's not too much different between him and Batman, but I'm a Robin fan. I'm looking forward to this. Robin with the hood. He's got the hood. Uh, Yeah. And if you buy the Arkham City Game of the Year edition, it comes free with the Harley Quinn uh, challenge. What? Co- it's not even maps. It's an extra. Yeah, it's extra more uh, story. And then you get the the Nightwing, the uh, Catwoman, the, you get the uh, Robin, Robin challenge, challenge, and then maps. you also get all the extra costumes that were available as pre-order bonuses for the different retailers. Man, Game of the Year edition seems where it's at. If I wanted to wait almost a full year, yeah, if you wanted to wait a year, pick up a game for ten dollars cheaper. <laughs> Not quite a year yet. You know, yeah, it came out October. Came out October, yeah. It's almost a couple yeah. months away. Ten months. Yeah. And I think I, I did trade Seven. in my Batman. You yeah. traded it in. Yeah. But why? I I had done everything in it that I could do. Yeah. So and but it's still good. You know what? My why Arkham, you want to go back? My I I beat Arkham Asylum. I let Chris borrow it. He had it for like a year and a half. Then he gave it back to me and it I was like, "Oh, I could go back and do more in it." And I never did. Hmm. And I it just sat there <clears throat> until I traded that in. Got I like, have, got I have like games from Sega that are just sitting here, sir. Yeah, they're Genesis. just sitting there. Until I, I, I put my games them. to work. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> why I paid off my Borderlands, too. 
How much does the Sega Genesis Ghostbusters give me trade in value? Probably not much. Zero cents. Zero cents. <laughs> how did much did you pay for it, Paul? <laughs> Three dollars. There you go. So. That'd be a good gift to bring to a wedding, especially if you go to a gay wedding, Paul. I know. If only <laughs> there were more in popular culture, and especially in mediums that we read. Much like comic books. Because just announced, and by just I mean probably about a week and a half ago now, um, famed X-Men North Star is getting married to who, Paul asked me, and I was like, some guy. Really? I thought it was Puck. No, no. he's just a... There's a difference between a gay superhero and just a gay superhero. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that was very good. I'm glad you enjoyed that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this this seems more like publicity stunt kind of stuff for me because John and I kind of talked about this a little bit like a couple days ago. And North Star is not really just a big name character. He doesn't really do anything besides being the gay X-Man. And I, I could care less about him getting married. Is, doesn't he have super speed and, like, flying? Yeah. Isn't that his hero click? Pretty much. Yeah. Some, sort of, some sort of light powers when he's by his sister. A uh, songbird? No. Aurora. Some, Aurora. Oh. Yeah. I don't know. I get all the Alpha Flight characters confused. I yeah. know I know Puck and Wendingo. No, Sasquatch. Sasquatch. Vindicator is the other one. Yeah, Vindicator. No. The... I always want to call him Captain Canada, but he's not. What <laughs> a horrible super team. I always love, like, we used to go to the comic conventions in, in Canada, and, at, like, at any panel, when are you going to bring Alpha Flight back? And I'd always be like, who cares about Alpha Flight? And then you realize, oh, yeah, we're in we're Canada. Canada. <laughs> of course these guys would. But there's not enough of you to buy them. Exactly. But, yeah. And if that did come out, they probably wouldn't buy it. But a big thing coming from that is the whole one million moms movement thing is they want just a complete, I'm like, trying to get the word. Blacklisting, blackballing. I'm not on top of my game today. I'm sorry, guys. Well, it is. Boycott. Boycott. Of the comic book medium as a whole, but it's not going to happen because kids aren't buying comic books. They want to protect their children, those impressionable youths from gay marriage for shitty superheroes. (laughs) Yeah, uh. It's kind of surprising that they're not getting married, that he's not getting married to another, you know, kind of C-list mutant. Because it's just some scrub. It's just some scrub guy named Kyle. I understand it, like, for, like, DC characters that they always get married to, like, not other superheroes usually. Except for Green Arrow, Black Canary. Um, you know, Sue Dibney wasn't a superhero. Lois Lane, not a superhero. But over at Marvel... Like, but, superheroes shack up together. And, but, I mean, Cyclops, uh, Jean Grey. But, like, the Superman, they're, they're characters in their books that, you know. Yeah. It's presented this is what's going to happen at some time. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, like, what, the other gay superheroes in um, X-Men is what, Shatterstar and Richter? Yep. And they're always a, already a character or a couple. Who, who else has he got? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I guess they could have. He's, he's probably the one gay person in all of Marvel Canada, so <laughs> not not a whole lot of fish in that pond. He wears his they flannel have, shirts like tied at the belly. They have a lot of lakes up in Canada. What does yeah. that mean? <laughs> well, he said in that pond, and I'm like, but they have the largest amount of coastland in 
all of and the Paul, world. what was that figure you told me? There's like one alligator for every eight Canadians every or something? Every seven. Every seven. Oh, <laughs> it used to be eight, but then they all got eaten by an alligator. America has one uh, one alligator for every seven for every seven Canadians. What? I'm just saying that so I like. Let's I like, rise up and ride them into battle against Canada. I like the chance. If we dropped off all our alligators into Canada, all I said is I like our chances. <laughs> That's all I said. <laughs> you just tell the alligators it tastes like maple syrup. It's fine. Did you? Would you really have to tell them anything? No, no. But they would be wearing like parkas, right? <laughs> yeah, because it's so cold. They're cold blooded. They're cold blooded. Otherwise, they're not moving. But also in homosexual superhero news, it was revealed that DC is going to be outing one of their major characters as a homosexual. And um, it's actually been announced who it was going to be. And, John, I said this the other day. Yeah. It's Alan Scott. Oh. I figured it would be a Green Lantern. I thought maybe. <laughs> well, your chances are pretty good. Yeah. I don't know why. I was, like, thinking maybe Kyle. Kyle's, Kyle gets play. Yeah, he does. But... Cover? But he had a gay friend already. Oh. So he couldn't have been exploring with that gay friend? No, probably no. not. No. <laughs> now, does this change um, where Jade and uh, Obsidian? Obsidian? Or is this because this is the Alan Scott of the, this is <laughs> This is the new DC. This is the new 52. There is no Jade and Obsidian. No. I mean, that throws in... To question everything that happens in continuity, of course, but hey, they're they're not around Earth Two, so Obs- and funny enough, Obsidian was Alan Scott's gay son. Oh, that is true. Turned himself into an egg. <laughs> so weird. That whole hey, line. being an egg isn't a choice. <laughs> Sorry, we're we're not a homophobic podcast. We like. I, I have people. a worse joke. Okay, Are go you, for it. He's saying he caught eggs. <laughs> worse, right? That yeah, was that pretty was bad. Worse. I'm sorry, and it's true. It's it's true. It, it was a horrible storyline, and it's a horrible disease. I you know I I don't mind gay, uh, Alan Scott being the the gay character. I just don't understand like what the need is it to do because uh, it looks good in the headline: Gay Green Lantern. I guess. I mean, it's he's one of the big DC characters. I mean, he was one of the first superheroes mm-hmm. from DC Comics. Yes. I mean, yeah, that was way back when. Now we're in the new he was 52. still using magic. So, yeah, he was, I think he, yeah, he was the founding member of the JSA. Uh, yeah, I just. It, it's it's news. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure what it's going to do for the character. I mean, we haven't really seen anything from Alan Scott yet. The thing is, with DC characters, like, does their sexuality really play that big of a part in their no. books? Because what? I mean, Batwoman is gay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hardly. Renee, Renee, Renee Matoya. Yeah. Like, those things, like, those mm-hmm. things seemed, nat- you know, like a natural thing to happen. Making Alan Scott gay, like, it's Earth 2. It's not that big a deal. Like, it doesn't mm-hmm. really... To me, it doesn't really matter, nor do I care. But they're like, not the old men anymore either. They're young. Yeah. Like you got Jay Garrick just graduated out of college, and he's not even going for his master's degree, which is weird because he, you know, was a professor of science. 
of chemistry when he discovered hard water and drank it and became Jay Garrick. So, but it's it's always been more of who that character was, not a story bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's kind of what I feel is happening over at Marvel more than anything else. With Northstar, he's getting married. Any other time he pops up in a book, it's because he's the gay X Man. Mm-hmm. Like, wh- what else does Northstar do other than show up when they need Alpha Flight? How often? Who would ever need Alpha Flight? <laughs> they have had many series of Alpha Flight recently. They just and yeah. nobody bought them. You know why? Because nobody needs and Alpha then Brian, Flight. Brian Michael Bendis killed him off, like in that very first panel of some event that he was starting. I don't even care. Yeah, yeah. And uh, like, and okay, he's getting married. Like, I it sh- I think it should just he's been in the comic books as a homosexual for. Years now, you yeah. know, when he was a prominent member of the X Men, mm-hmm. to me, like making Shatterstar and and Richter homosexuals feels really shoehorned in when they did that. But again, like I, I don't care. They weren't. They're right. nobody important. Not not that it matters. Like oh, if Batman was gay, I wouldn't really care. I would kind of go well. The kind of it's odd for him being the you know the millionaire bachelor. But oh well, Wait, like it doesn't. What's odd about him being a millionaire bachelor that is gay? Nothing, but I mean that's what they've always. I mean they've always pushed it as, and now all of a, you know with all the the ladies in his life, it wouldn't like it wouldn't matter to me. It wouldn't make me want to drop Batman books, right? You know, not unless I, I mean it would just feed into all the gay jokes about him and Robin. <laughs> but like, he's not a big name character. That's all we're saying. Yeah. That. It, I, I don't care whether he is or isn't, or any of them are or aren't. It doesn't matter to me as long as it's a, a good story with those characters. Now, DC did it up with their last wedding, which was Green Arrow, Black Canary. They had a wedding planning book. They had a bachelor party issue in Justice League, or was it in just Green Arrow? But I, I mean, there was a checklist. Yeah. And I know how Marvel loves their checklists. Will there be a checklist to get ready for North Stars? <laughs> Probably big not, because day. I think ultimately nobody really cares. I think it's like they're trying to make a story out of something that wouldn't be a story on its own. Mm-hmm. That's true. Kind of like how people were trying to make a story about the ending of Mass Effect 3 when they wouldn't have been the story on its own if they weren't already annoyed about the day one DLC. Yeah, you know, doesn't matter to me. Or I didn't play it. How people are making a story about how the real money auctions for Diablo three are going to be indefinitely postponed because of blah blah blah. Again, I mean, <laughs> I doubt you could actually make a living off of selling stuff in the Diablo three auction house, anyways. But people were going to try. They were going. They were damn well going to try. <laughs> they were going to try to hack and mod and do anything they could to get that money. I mean, I don't want to say that Diablo Three's been plagued with problems, but they've had some issues yeah. since it launched. I mean, day of launch. Day of launch, they couldn't get the the servers kept on going down. Uh, people were complaining about the whole, "Why do I have to be online to play a single player game?" You know, yeah, and they're valid concerns. I want to play a video game that I spent 60 bucks on. You're telling me I can't. What happens when my internet 
internet connection fails. So I, I can understand them wanting to fix that stuff before mm-hmm. being like, hey, here's a way for you to make money with your friends. Yeah, fix the broken game elements first and then introduce that stuff and introduce like the PvP arenas because those are still yeah. on the way out too. I just don't understand the PvP because they're never going to balance the characters against each other. There's always going to be, the you know, like barbarians are always going to be able to beat up the witch doctors because there's always going to be a certain move that people are going to exploit. So I don't understand PV- PvP in uh, the Diablo realm, but I don't think it's designed to be a massively multiplayer game. I think it's, you know... It's it's still of the gauntlet realm with me, you know. You yeah. just have friends that have friends all pop in your game, and kind of, it's gauntlet but better, you know. Yeah, it's one of those games. I don't need the multiplayer aspect for it because I enjoy the single player so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like we always had a ball playing with a couple of us, but it was you used to have to type to each other. Mm-hmm. It was always kind of a pain in the ass. I think we used to get on the phone with each other and talk sometimes. Oh yeah. During the games. And, like, I can see it being fun with your friends, but not something you're going to want to, like, join a party with strangers and play. Yeah, I, I don't understand that. But, you know, I hardly play any multiplayer, massively multiplayer games anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I haven't played World of Warcraft in forever. Not like somebody over here loving DC UL <laughs> yeah, online. But you know what, the DC thing, I don't talk to anybody that I play with. I know. Like, you never do. Except when Chris gets really frustrated in the other room. And oh, they're, they're and you such hear, shit. You just hear, come on, where's our medic? This son of a bitch, you dick. They're you keep dicks. going in, you keep going in, he keeps going in. John, he keeps going in. When I don't want him to go in, he's not waiting for anyone. We need everyone at the same time beat this boss. You're going up against the boss. Mm-hmm. It's in an instance. You know you don't go up against the boss by yourself. You wait for everyone in your party to be ready, right? Wait a second. What if you're, like, one of those, uh, I don't, I, neuromancers back in the day in Diablo 2, right? Like, you could, uh, go in, summon up your, uh, golem, if you had your golem high enough level, exit, and yeah. have bosses die, and then come back in and... DC's not like that, though. Like, it's, you can't solo anything in an instance. You can't instance. get your pet to kill shit. Yeah. Because your pet dies in, like, two hits. Yeah. Do you have pets in... You can ha- yeah, you can, um... Have minions and stuff. That's weird. I have a little bat drone that follows me around. It shoots like lasers at stuff. <laughs> it was given me by Batman, Paul. That's Batman gave you this. Batman loves the circus. <laughs> <laughs> he loves bat drones. What else do we got? We have movie news. Movie news. We have a bit of newly news. Um, casting has some of the casting has come out for Iron Man three. And we have uh, Sir Ben Kingsley playing the Mandarin. Um, Guy Pierce is coming in to play a scientist who also is probably going to be a bad guy. Um, and then you have uh, – He's a scientist that makes boner pills. Yes. <laughs> just just in. Bag and board exclusive. Wait. Does he also direct things? Or am he I directs thinking? boners. <laughs> oh, okay. Guided boner missiles. Uh, you know, John Favreau is coming back, not in the directing aspect, but play uh, Happy Hogan. Is that his name? No. Yeah. 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 Happy. Happy. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if it's Hogan is the last name, but maybe. I'm not a big enough Iron Man fan. But it's definitely Happy. Um, and then William Sadler, uh, known as um, Death from uh, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Is also uh, cast in there, and it's been said that they were he was seen in costume, so we don't know if it was just a regular costume fitting or actually if he was in costume as in a villain or anything. Dressed as a giant boner. 
This movie's got everything, guys. <laughs> got Iron Man. Iron Boners. <laughs> ben Kingsley playing another villain, because you never see that happening. Oh, can I make my Gandhi joke again? Yes. He already did that once in the movie. It was called Gandhi. Yeah, it was funnier the first time. <laughs> so we, Get it? Because he wasn't. So much good banter from last... I know. I'm sorry, guys. It's all right. There will be one more apology. And that'll be it. That's fine. But also in movies, um, I think it's time to revisit the Bagging Broadcast Summer Bracket Blockbuster Buster Return. The second annual? The second annual. Bracket? Bagging Broadcast Summer Movie. Buster? <laughs> why, why do you have to start slow my roll like that? Second annual Bagnum Boardcast Summer Movie Blockbuster Bracket Buster. Two. Revenge. The Quickening. <laughs> there we go. The Quickening this time. Uh, big movie news. You remember what was going to happen on June 29th? Uh, yeah, G.I. Joe is coming out. Everyone was looking forward to it. I know. There was a Super Bowl ad getting me stoked. There was movie posters. Not to mention you guys were such huge fans of the first one. <laughs> oh, Oh, check out our review of the first one. It was, couldn't wait. It, it, it <laughs> definitely did not sink anybody's battleship. Much like the movie Battleship basically sunk G.I. Joe retaliation. Uh, they have moved that back to next year, which totally busts our bracket buster. Oh, the buster bracket buster <laughs> than bracket busted? <laughs> yes. Uh, unfortunately, we're going to just take that as an opening weekend of zero dollars. So as long as the movie, Men in Black 3, makes $1, it will move on to the next round, leaving G.I. Joe in the dust. Sorry, John, the only person that picked it to move on. Did. Twice. Yes. I still don't understand that. But regardless of that, what other movies have come out recently? Well, we already mentioned Battleship. And oh, hold on, I bet that one did great. Because oh, it, it, it was by the toy company that brought you Transformers. How could it go wrong? I know, and they were totally selling it as in like a Transformer movie. Everybody would buy in because Transformers and it makes close to $100 million opening weekend on each and every uh, sequel. Yeah. And that's why they'd spend like over $200 million to make Battleship, right? $208 million to get a return of $27 million during its opening weekend. That's me clapping for America because I know they were too busy going to see the Avengers and again, they again. And, and they weren't taking which, a stand because Battleship looked like a shit movie, which made over fifty million dollars that same weekend. Like I, I would just like to think that this was America being smart, and being like, no, that movie looks dumb. Let's not see it. But okay. I know it's just Avengers. But then you got Memorial Day weekend and you have Men in Black Three. Oh yeah, we just mentioned them. Hey, as long as they made one dollar, they would move on against GI Joe. And they did retaliation, and they made fifty-five million. Also, uh, Dark Shadows came out as well, uh, which was also part of the bracket. Buster. I think that made close to thirty million. Now I can't remember my figures from Sunday. Oh, oh, Paul. But I don't know what it boils down to is three movies that I thought would have done a little bit better, and none of them really have. And you can all chalk that up to the Avengers because that movie is still making money. Yeah, and I think that's one of the big reasons why G.I. Joe got, they just took themselves out of the running because you had Avengers making such huge money, you have a new Spider-Man, you have the, the new Batman, which, the last Batman, you know, Dark Knight. 29.6, so when I said close to 30, you were close. Pretty close. And also, without the Memorial Day for Men in Black 3, uh, 54.5. So, yeah, so that, that's impressive. Pretty close to 55 million. Not the one hundred and three million in the 
first in uh, the second week of you know Marvel's Avenger, but still pretty good. Not bad, but still not as good as Avengers. No, <laughs> uh, n- no. But what's just as good as Avengers? Well, comic books are. Oh, we love comic books because they're in comic books. The Avengers. They are. And they're probably in a book that we're looking forward to this week, right? No. no. They're hardly ever in a book that we look forward to. Yeah. Well, usually weird. like only the event books. Or, well, I guess you could say uh, Avengers versus X-Men if we pick that stuff out. Oh, yeah, we, and they are in those, yes. They are in those. But I will tell you a book that I'm looking forward to this week and by no means picked up today because it came out today. But Batman Annual Number 1, written by favorite of the show, Scott Snyder, Art by uh, Jason Fabic, who I've never seen on a book before. His name is new to me, but um, it looks pretty good from what I've seen. What I say when I've seen, I mean, when I read it today, it was really good. Well, uh, people are going to be listening to this probably tomorrow because they probably won't listen to it tonight when I post it. Probably not. Probably not. But still, um, going back into uh, Gotham City, we're seeing some uh, Mr. Free stuff. It was hinted at in the Night of the Owls uh books that we had keeps popped up in that and um you get to learn a little bit more about the new 52 mr freeze yeah when i read about um i think it was in red hood and the outlaws um mr freeze working for the the court of the owls i was really interested and want to know where does this fit in when did this happen what's going on and this annual popped up and i was like yep i want to read this really bad hmm you know, it's a pretty interesting book, and I'm I'm uh would be surprised if they really shake up the uh, origin story of Mister Freeze because he's a timeless kind of villain. He's a different villain. He's a villain that I find myself rooting for quite often. Yes, and it would be horrible if they take that away from me. Maybe, maybe you still could root for him, Paul. I don't think I could <laughs> if they change him in any way. Well, Paul, what's the what's the book that you're looking forward to? I love team ups. You do. I've seen it. I love competition. <laughs> <laughs> I love annuals also. Because and brackets. And Paul, brackets. And busters. Uh, uh, Paul, is this a summer movie bracket buster bracket book the team com- up? Comic? No. Number one? But I'm hoping that it's the best team up that I've ever read. And it's in, in the pages of Animal Man. Annual number one. So therefore it will be the best Ooh. team up I've ever read who's, in who's the pages of it. Swamp Thing and Animal Man. What? Well, it's about time. I know. So Are they going to crisscross powers and become Animal Thing and Swamp Man? <laughs> that would be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> because the Swamp Man, wouldn't he just cut down logs in the swamp? Yeah. Or is that just swamp people? Eh, he would. An Animal Thing would just be masturbating in <laughs> Corner Paul's room. <laughs> Into pools and throwing bottles, right? <laughs> throwing bottles. He masturbates into the bottle and then throws it in the pool. He's a villain. <laughs> He's a villain. That's a villainous thing to do. He ruins Memorial Days. He does. He, he ruins Memorial Day blockbusters. They make no money. <laughs> you got all the G.I. Joe. <laughs> oh, that is not what they meant by Go Joe. <laughs> Oh no! They thought they were. They knew what they were in for. That was half that's the battle they lost. That's why there was going to be a retaliation. <laughs> oh god! Uh, we figured out the other half of that battle. Sorry, Paul. Animal Man. Annual. It's <laughs> written by Jeff Lemire. Uh, you're changing up the art duties, of course. Uh, but still excited for this book. So I'm going to read it. 
I'm going to probably like it. And I'm going to keep on reading the other animal mams. We'll talk about reading. Let's take a look at the books that we read back John, in the month of May. Did John pick a book? Yeah. I, I was he, piggying back. He piggybacked. In, I piggybacked oh, yeah? on his. I didn't say it this time. Same book? Yep. Oh, wow. Piggyback. Because there was nothing else coming out that was... Oh, man. Well, there was a lot of books in May that you probably liked. There were, and some that I didn't even pick up that we sat down to review, and I was like, shit, this this just got real. Man, so let's look at those books and our main topic, our May monthly look back. Or our monthly look back for the month of May. Probably the better way to say it. <laughs> Both of these are a way to say it, though. And what, the first way is more confusing. Nah, who cares? And we're going to start off with Batman Incorporated, written by Grant Morrison and Chris Burnham. And I... Burnham? Burnham? Burnham. Burnham? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not Burnham? <laughs> no. Burnham. Not Benham? Both ways are a way to, way to <laughs> say it. The first way, not so much. Uh, <laughs> um... But I'm really glad to see Grant Morrison back in the Batman world. And giving me something that I've missed is his take on Batman and Robin, Bruce Wayne and Damien, father and son, back together. If suddenly we don't seem as goofy, it's because this is the part we recorded on Sunday. Oh, no, I think we were even goofier on Sunday. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) We had a lot to drink. The dynamic between Damien and Bruce Wayne, you know, the Batman and and Robin now. And it just is, it's, it's fun because I love that he's just such a little, he's such a little jerk. Mm-hmm. And there's this interesting dynamic because he treats him like kind of Robin, but he also treats him like his son. He knows that he's this <clears throat> trained to be an assassin and, and, all, and all that. And it's, and it's fun. And I, I do like that dynamic between the two. What I really enjoy too is the fact that Damien is constantly noting, like, I don't know why I'm still trying to get your acceptance. <laughs> he mentions it like once in every single issue I have read with him appearing, him and Bruce Wayne in it. And I love it because he is such just like the petulant little kid, but he still wants like daddy to accept him. And yeah. he doesn't know why. I enjoy, see, the thing I take away from it is the old dynamic between him and Dick Grayson was that Dick Grayson was the like more lighthearted character, and he was the badass. Now you got the badass, badass trying to be more badass than the badass, and they're constantly kind of fighting about. No, I I'm awesome. Like, don't you understand? I'm the goddamn Batman. And he's like, No, I was trained by the League of Assassins. I had my PhD in economics by the time I was nine. Like, I'm even more badass than he. And it's that kind of like trying to. Almost one upmanship that you didn't have with Damien and uh, Dick Grayson. I, I think th- this is. I think this is what it is. Is you have Batman just as Batman, and he doesn't care. Like he's not saying, "I'm the goddamn Batman." Yeah. He's just, "I'm Batman." You know, "I'm Batman." Yeah. And you have this kid going, "No, I have a PhD," and Batman just being like, "Yeah, you turn around those financials. It's good of you." Yeah. And then I'm him, Batman. And then him being like, "No, I, I have a PhD," and <laughs> yeah. him just being like. Yeah, you did that. It was, it was good. You did it. Good. Good. Yeah, you did that. Good. Take off that stupid hood. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Before you, know, you get like, in trouble. T- you know, take that. Take that hood off before it causes problems. You know. So I think. I think that's. And I think that's a great. That's that is a great dynamic too. That mm-hmm. he's constantly trying to prove him. And he's like, yeah, no, it's good. But then, like, 
No, you're supposed to think I'm excellent. You're supposed to say I'm amazing. And he's like, no, you, you did that. Uh, did he, we haven't even talked about, do we care that he was, uh, that, uh, Damien was fighting the mutants basically from Dark Knight Returns at the end? Well, they've been in and out since Batman and Robin though. Yeah. So like that really didn't come as anything surprising. Like for me, that's just more Grant Morrison. Um, I, I think setting up the, you know, racial ghoul in there, Leviathan, is there a mm-hmm. connection? They think it's Talia. Same I mean, message, yeah. there, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot there going on. Like, I actually enjoy this. This is something that I would probably pick up more of. Like, this is a Batman book that could take the place of Batman and Robin since I haven't been buying that one since yeah. Batman has been so good. Mm-hmm. But this has those interactions that I want. And they feel right. Yeah. Not that, uh, Pete Tomasi can't write mm-hmm. those interactions because he does it quite well, but I feel like this is gonna be more of just like that crazy out there Grant it's... Morrison book, which I can talk about. I have to say is, I just said like I'm gonna be picking up those Batman and Robins. After reading this, I also wanna pick up Batman Incorporated. The first Batman Incorporated didn't interest me at all. I read that first one, I think we did for a look back, uh-huh. and never even thought about it. You guys would kind of mention it, and I'd just kind of be like, eh, nah, I didn't, didn't care for it. If this book is going to be like issue number one here, mm-hmm. I think I'm in. I do. I really like it. And I'm going to, I've ordered two or three issues of Batman and Robin. If that doesn't do it, it's cut, and it's going to be incorporated all along. Also because maybe Stephanie Brown might be appearing in this as well. And if you've listened to any of our lookbacks or the list from the past year and a half, you will know that I'm not just a big Stephanie Brown fan. I'm a gigantic Stephanie Brown fan. And if this is going to be the book where I'm able to get my stuff fixed, I'm going to be happy to buy that out of principle alone because I love her. She's she's my perfect little Batgirl. And I'm really surprised that they don't have her in, like, Birds of Prey because we picked up... One of you guys, I don't remember who picked up the Birds of Prey, Night of the Owls, or Court of... That was me. Yeah, it was Night of the Owls, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was what it called. And... Had it in the draft. It, it was such a... It was an interesting book, but I think it was one of the worst of it. And it was because those characters are no one I I, I really like or enjoy, aside from mm-hmm. Black Canary. Yeah. But I would like to see Stephanie Brown in there maybe being mentored by Black Canary. I think that would be kind of a cool dynamic, and that would be a great place for her. And if she's going to be in this book, again, like I, that just fills more of a niche that I am almost missing. And I, I think I've also been missing Grant Morrison on Batman. I have been missing Grant Morrison writing Batman, but more so Damien. Because yeah. There's been a lot of Damien showing up in books and he doesn't feel quite right. And this is the Damien that we started reading because Grant Morrison kind of created the character. Yeah, as much as he's Bruce Wayne's son, he's Grant Morrison's baby. Yeah. Like, and I think Grant handles this character so well. And I think Pete Tomasi does a great job of it as well, but mm-hmm. it, it's awesome seeing him handle Damien again. And I don't, I don't know about you guys, but while reading this, I had to go back to the front cover to see like, this looks like Frank Quietly's art, but it's it's not. Like, just the head of Damien mm-hmm. with that weird, rounded, yeah, oval, almost like a baby, like a cartoon baby face. Uh-huh. And I was like, 
is this? Because it's it's off a little bit, but I mean, it it's that something definitely like I kind of like it, and it seems a little out of what the normal costumes look like. I mean, it's it still has the the lines and what Batman looks like, mm-hmm. but it kind of takes me back to pre New Fifty Two Batman. It's and who's doing art on by this? Um, Chris Burnham, who I've never seen his stuff before, so I don't know if this is his regular style or he's trying to ape he Frank does. Quitely's like artistic verses there because he wants it to feel like it's continuing that story. Doesn't he do uh The Elephant Man published by Image? So, yeah. I don't know if it's the same style, but Chris. It is a very similar style. Um looks like he might have adjusted a little bit to kind of more fit into what Frank Quitely's done with Grant Morrison before. But it's like subtle things like the shape of the faces, kind of like some of the... uh Lines that add a little bit more definition to the faces. And he's tried putting some of the sound effects into the panels, actually, mm-hmm. in the artwork. It doesn't work as well as when Frank Whiteley's done it, but it, it's still a good attempt. And it's one of those things. It made me look at the cover again, much like you did, John, just to make sure that, oh, I didn't know Frank Whiteley was doing this. Um, the the one image that John is on right now with Bat Cow definitely makes me feel like it's almost a Frank Whiteley book. But yeah. you don't get that. I don't think uh, Chris Burnham does the over-exaggerated uh, detail lines yeah. where he adds t- almost one too many lines, one too many line, I guess, on the image. Uh, I think Chris Burnham stops a little short of that. Yeah, but, but there the, are a lot of facial yeah. expressions and everything, though. Like, John just pointed shapes. to that woman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. uh, there's this woman, even this guy's, like, hands. Some, yeah. like, the there's, panel, it's, it's so much, and I don't know, because I think... I think he's also he's also done some Batman and Robin stuff, so you know he, he did might a have, cover or two, yeah. Yeah, you know he, he might have fit in that work or found that image, mm-hmm. and but oh yeah, he did an <clears throat> issue or two, yeah, yeah. But it's, I mean, it's it's, it's very well. much, yeah. It it makes it makes you think it's a Grant Morrison Batman book, mm-hmm. you know, and it and it's it's really good. I I would pick it up. I'd pick up number two. Yeah, if you were a fan of like Grant Morrison's Batman. And is Robin. Batman and Robin. Mm-hmm. Batman Incorporated. I think this is just kind of like the culmination of all those books mm-hmm. back in the New 52. Definitely recommend it. But you don't need... To, I think you could pick this up as a number one and be good. I don't think you needed to read all those things. I think, you know... Uh, at- I, I never read Batman Incorporated. For, I read the first issue. Mm-hmm. And I think after 9 or 12 of Batman and Robin, mm-hmm. I... You know, I kind of dropped it. It just was kind of losing it for me. So it's, it's definitely something aside from, um, the uh, Detective Comics. That's the one that Snyder's writing, right? No, no he's, he's just doing Batman. 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 Detective, Detective Comics was the one that you said. Detective Comics is the one I love. Uh, <laughs> I dropped, I'm, I'm dropping that to pick up Batman Incorporated. Oh, Detective Comics. You dropped. Yes. Which is the new DCU Detective Comics. Not the old, old busted DCU, which was a good. Which was a good one. But speaking about good ones, um, we've got another DC book up next, and this is Earth 2 number one. Um, this was kind of like an afterthought when it was kind of like, oh, what can we talk about for May? It's like, oh, we can grab Earth 2, uh, written by James Robinson. Wait, 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 wait. Who loves the Justice League here? I like the Justice League. You like the Justice Society. Who loves the Justice Society more than Justice League? Paul here? does. 
I do. Paul is just a society. <laughs> Who's going to pick up Earth 2 no matter what? I think, well, Paul would until he's like, I'm buying this. I hate it. What <laughs> yes. are you doing? Oh, James Robinson's writing it. I know. And the thing is with this book, James Robinson suddenly went from the shade, which seems like he's writing still in that very old style, that older style, like 90s, 80s style of comic book writing. And in here, it seems like Suddenly, he modernized his style. Like, it seems newer, it seems fresher. And this book works because they are not afraid of doing shit. They're not afraid of just killing off the big, the trinity here. And they do. They're not afraid of making the old Just Society, Just Society characters new and young, which they do. I'm not sure how I will like that in the long term because I always like them being like the established heroes that are teaching the younger group of heroes how to be superheroes, how to how to go from hero to superhero. And and in this book, it seems like you're going to get how they got to that point, mm-hmm. which you haven't really had ever before. Um and what I think is really interesting is with Earth 2 number 1 mm-hmm. is those heroes winning against Darkseid and the Parademons mm-hmm. in losing their main superheroes of the world, where in Justice League you had those heroes forming a team and vanquishing, you know, the Parademons and, and Darkseid. See, I didn't finish Justice League. I only read the first Oh, uh, he- Here's what happens in Justice two. League. Uh, the Justice League wins. Oh. And, and they and they live. Oh, see, I think I like Earth Two better. They win, but they die. <laughs> <laughs> they win, but they die. And then I get Jay Garrick and Alan Scott, and they're going to be doing some shit. Yeah, I, mostly Jay Garrick is going to be doing some. This I was don't a know book, how I feel about that though. I, it, we'll, we'll it, get we'll get to that. It it caught me, and I was like, wow, I really enjoy this. This is a book that. I just picked up the first one off the shelf. I didn't order it. And I'm kind of regretting not ordering number two. Like, it comes out June 6th, and I want to be in the store the day it comes out, so I make sure I get a copy, because I already ordered number three. This is a book that I want to read more of. Oh, this is this is good. This is And this was so much better than the James Robinson stuff that he did in Justice League after he took that over. I think there was a lot of editor and, like, higher-up, like, restrictions on the Justice League, like, who he could have in it. He wasn't allowed to touch any of the Green Lantern stuff because of Blackest Day, Blackest Day coming out. And I think there was a lot of restrictions on him during that run. And he was just, like, telling these side characters that he kind of wrote before, like, Starman, Mikel, and Kung Gorilla, which I, I can't think anybody could get excited about, so... I don't know how much to blame him for and how much to bring, uh, blame editorial for his Justice League run. But Earth 2, if he's given full reins to write a book and this is what we get, I love it. And I'm, not, don't mean to cut you off, but I'm surprised you didn't really care for Justice League too much because this reads very similarly to how Jeff Johns is writing Justice League. Even Nicholas Scott, like the artwork, mm-hmm. I'd say it's not on par with what Jim Lee's doing. But it's still that just like big crazy artistic this, style. Yeah, but this makes me miss Nicola Scott on books. Like it's like, oh man, she can draw a hell out of an awesome splash page. She can draw a hell out of giving me a lot of action on in like four or five different panels on a page. 
Like, and she does it really well. I, I love the Batman co- uh, costume of Earth 2. And, uh, you know, the Superman is alright. I like the Wonder Woman, but the Batman just really, really mm-hmm. brings it home for me. Too bad, probably won't be getting to see him anymore. Right? Yeah, probably not. But with, with every hero's end, a, a new one begins, and that's exactly what you're getting with Jay Garrick and Alan Scott, because they're introduced here. You also have, mm-hmm. um, what's his name, Al Pratt? Did you? Yeah, he's, uh, one of the soldiers. Oh, yes, as, he is! Um, yes! He's so kind he's of hard. helping carry the uh, the huh. warheads and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yes, he the, is. Uh, that I missed that reference. But really, you miss Paul? You're, you're I know. Like the now that you mentioned it, now that you mentioned it, I'm like, hand me the crown and scepter, Paul. Oh, thank you. Well, that fits so nice. Uh, film, uh-huh. Who's L L Pratt? He's the Adam. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, the Adam. Oh, okay. That's why he's short. He's so short. Yes. Now I. Oh man, I can't believe I missed that reference. But man, I don't know how I feel. Like. The Flash has always been, to me, a character that has been established with a strong female character. And for this, the end of the book here, you get Jay Garrick basically breaking up with Joan. Yeah. And I'm like, that, come on. Well, Joan, already, Joan breaking up with him. Right. And the thing is, they already separated Barry and Iris. And it's like, can't we have one Flash that, but that, this this isn't this. this isn't your normal Jay Garrick though. This is Jay Garrick that's just graduated from yes. college. Like he, he he's still a kid. He's hanging out on like a hilltop drinking a beer. But he doesn't graduate from. He doesn't stop as of his undergrad. He goes on and gets his master's and comes like I think he well, gets his master's with the with having all mm-hmm. the time in the world now that he has. He's going to have these uh, Mercury powers. Yeah. Yeah, the power is given him to by the god Mercury. We not... don't know that yet. That... Oh, but... yeah. Next yeah. issue, Flash. Next issue, the Flash. <laughs> yeah, which is, it's not heavy water, but what yeah. is? But he came up, became a chemical scientist, like, uh, in the original. So, you know, I kind of wanted him to, continue, instead of being this, like, humdrum, oh, I don't know what to do, angsty kind of, uh, like, Paul, I'm gonna point college grad. A different world, a different destiny. Their destiny is to it's, become it's a all new. awesome justice society. It, it, they mentioned the word society once, and I'm like, I, I didn't care it is. society word. I it's, need like, to, yeah. it's amazing that society can rebuild itself. Uh, uh, Alan Scott says it on the plane. Oh, is that before they see all the craters? Yeah, and yeah, stuff? Yeah. Okay. Before I, the splash page. And I think, as I enjoy Justice League, I'm going to enjoy seeing our justice society team come together. Yeah. I really hope this book kind of keeps this good. I mean, it's so hard to tell from one issue because two could be horrible. Two could be even better. I just hope I get something that kind of stays consistent because this is a book that I would love to keep picking up if it stays this well-written. Well, it's going to always be hard because you can't kill the Trinity in each issue. Yeah. So you, you killed the Trinity and he hardly had anything to set up the Justice Society. You had, what, maybe seven pages between yeah. Alan Scott and also Jay Garrick. Yeah, it's just like the last part yeah. of the book, last third of it maybe. Mm-hmm. And that. also they had to tie in the whole, like, how the next book we're going to talk about, uh, what is it, World's Finest? Or yeah. is it called Huntress? It's uh, World's wor- Finest Power Girl. I, I think it's I World's have. Finest, but then it's like it's, Huntress and Power it's Girl. starring those two characters. Hmm. So the actual title is just World's Finest. And that is written by Paul Levitz and art done half by George Perez 
which isn't really half, it's more like almost all of it. And then Parkinson's by Kevin McGuire. So. Yes. And Chris, what were you saying about the art on this book? I, I wish I liked it more than an eighth of the time. <laughs> because what you have here is George Perez doing. So an eighth. Point eight. one two five. Yes. <laughs> Flashback to earlier in the episode. Flashback to the beginning. Way to throw it back. Yeah. Um, we do that here. Time machines. The George Perez stuff is all handling the present day with Kevin McGuire handling the flashbacks and right when Huntress and Power Girl or Robin and Supergirl as they were known originally on mm-hmm. Earth 2. Right when they get to Earth 1, Earth Prime, I don't we know. Don't, I, don't I don't know what we're I calling it. I think it's it. just New Earth. I, I think that's what we'd still be under, right? Yeah. No name for it, yeah. Uh, after Crisis of Infinite Earths, our, the Earth that we read in the DC comic books is New Earth. Yes. So I would, since it's a new DCU, I would still assume Makes that sense. it's a new Earth, right? Yeah, that works. Yeah. Um, the Boardcast, we coined it. <laughs> DCU, give us, give us props. Anytime you mention that it is New Earth, say, as figured out by BagnumBoardcast.com or BagnumBoard.com. We have both those websites, so it's okay. Yes, we do. <laughs> Which is the same because I think Paul Levitz did a really good job with this book. I yeah. loved his Hunter's miniseries, so I was expecting something just as good coming into this. And the writing's there. The story is pretty solid. Mm-hmm. I like the interaction between Helena and Kara. It's just the art by George Press looks so dated. And... It, it just, it, it's dated and it's, it's weak. It, it is. And he just doesn't capture the kind of those character moments that Kevin McGuire can. Mm-hmm. Just in that page and a half, two pages that he did. I mean, he's a man who knows his way around a facial expression. And you're basically having two best friends discovering themselves on a new world here. Mm-hmm. And it's such a character driven story. I wish he had done this whole issue. If it, I need to ta- have somebody draw like 50 pa- uh, different characters on in one panel, I'm going to call up George Perez. But if I just need two people talking at a restaurant, probably not my first call. Yeah. And that's what's happening in this book. You're really focused on these two characters. It's not a huge ensemble cast. If it's Legion, George Perez makes sense. There's a lot of different characters. You need to make them look all different. He, he Here, so excels at that. Like Yeah. Awesome. I, I hate that anytime we talk about him on the show, because we've done this before when Superman number one came mm-hmm. out, it sounds like we're ragging on him, but he does really good work. Because he does make characters look different. Yeah. But and he can, he throws like an insane amount of detail on those mm-hmm. panels too. It's just, it's not matching the story that is this, being written. This is so much more the editor's fault by putting him on this book than so much his fault. Like, this is the style that I expect from George Perez. Yeah. It's that, it's not stiff, but it does look dated. I don't know what it is about it. It, it just, the characters don't look quite realistic enough, but not quite cartoony. It's like too, and, yeah. And you're bringing in a, a new book with two more leading ladies for, mm-hmm. for DC. And you should have a really good stylized, stylized look look to it mm-hmm. and it should really the art should really pop and it should be almost the reverse of these two guys doing these books like even on the cover power girls boobs are way too round and her like the how do i want to put this delicately her uh 
under section comes way too much to a triangle. Like, it's too angular. It's too geometrical to be realistic. Like, look at that. That is just a triangle, and those are just two round circles. And, I mean, you have... It doesn't work. It doesn't you have right. You have Huntress in her normal Huntress garb, but you have a new redesign for Power Girl. That doesn't quite work. And it doesn't work. And it, it looks like something out of Legion. You know, it doesn't mm. look... It doesn't look good, and it's not the Power Girl that I fell in love with and would want to date, if we remember back to our Valentine's Day show. Yep. Uh, you know, there's something about, there's something about that costume and there's something about that character. This is a lot more of a stronger character, which I do, I do like mm-hmm. in this. I, I really did like the story, but it's her new, co- her new costume just is not. It doesn't work. You know it, why? Because that P isn't quite a P. It's an, it's like, here's my nipple. Here's the circle kind of around it and then a line. Yeah. It doesn't quite work as a P itself, so I don't under, and it's not like in the middle. Yeah. So it's to the side and, and just that's weird. It's honestly, just all weird. Probably what they were trying to get away from because Power Girl is so well known for the boob window mm-hmm. and it's right in the center. Yeah. It, it could just be like a stylistic thing, like shifting it off. Mm-hmm. Like I understand updating the costumes. It's, it's a new 52. Makes sense. Yeah, but nobody wears a name tag in the middle of their shirt. I yeah. kind of understand putting it to one side, but it's like a circle and then a half circle around it. Like it's, it's not even a half circle because it's split or like in the middle there. It's too stylized of a P to work as it's, as a P. Like I don't know if anybody look, like would t- snap a picture of her and be like, oh, it's a P on her chest. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I, I think the other, weird, th- yeah. the other thing is, is what I thought was kind of weird is like Power Girl worked without having like a secret identity because nobody mm-hmm. knew who she was other than Power Girl. In this, she's already made herself a known face, you know, with, with being in control of different. Karen Star was industries. always an industry leader though. Like it's, you know, Karen Star, Star Industries, it's, so I don't know if it's that far abreast from what was happening. And I use abreast because we're talking mm. about Power Girl. Mm. Uh, uh, but, you know, and I don't mind them focusing on that. I really don't as a long-term Justice Society fan. Uh, um, but I, but I don't see them tying in the Karen Star is Power Girl thing here either. So I, I didn't mind that at all. Unless you said that, yes, that's what's happening. I, I just here. seem like, I just seem like, I mean, they show her like on TV, like in a paper, oh, yeah. like that yeah. face being exposed. And now she's just going to put a costume on and fly around and be a superhero. You know, you have yeah, the power and, girl but, never got the like, but, but here's the attention. But here's the thing is they show Huntress getting rid of her old identity and mm-hmm. which one to pick now. You know, like you have one who's hiding and keeping that secret identity and the other one who's like nah, I don't care but if you're going to mention it in the but, beginning so. but if you're going to see in this book obviously mm-hmm. a woman with black hair hanging out with Karen Star and then Power Girl who is obviously now Karen Star hanging out with a black haired girl who's also a superhero yeah, let's put two and two together yeah but it seems like Power Girl's never been the one, like, in the spotlight, but Karen Star always was. Like, even in the older comic books, like... Yeah, yeah, no, but Power this Girl is, never... This is our, this is our new world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I'm just saying what I'm, I'm used yeah. to. Like, I'm used to Karen Starr being, like, the big corporate mogul. So I'm not that, like, I'm not that taken aback by it so far. And also, where are they hanging out? They're hanging out over in a Japanese restaurant where yeah. people are looking at them trying to figure out, like, what are they even talking about? Who are these people here? You mean the black family behind them? <laughs> and also the, the Japanese uh, businessmen, maybe? I don't even know. Or maybe they are Because I thought this was weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a little weird that, you know, people in the other booths next to them in the restaurant were, like, looking over. That as, as a mustachioed man. As, as a whole, I did enjoy this book. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I will pick up the second one. I really enjoy Huntress as a character. Power Girl's always kind of been one of those taker or lever kind of things. I really enjoyed the uh, JSA classified series mm-hmm. uh, by Jeff Johns and Amanda Connor. But beyond that, like Power Girl's never been one of those must-read characters for me. I, I will probably keep checking this out. I don't know if it's something I stay on. Uh, eventually, if George Perez st- uh, stays on art, it might just be I, I can't do it anymore kind of thing, but I, I really enjoy Huntress as a character. Um, I'm there. And I really enjoyed the uh, old school Robin costume that she had too on Earth too. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that was kind of cool. Mask. Big ass mask. I like the um R center like mm-hmm. on the neck, like kind of clasping the cape. Uh I thought it worked. And the uh but we saw Supergirl the, costume worked well too. We saw those both those two costumes both in the other book also yeah. with the Earth too. I, I I just like it. It's like mm-hmm. a different take on the Robin costume and it, it works. Mm-hmm. Much more than the Power Girl one does. Which is a different Robin than we got back in the old Earth 2 books, which was Dick Grayson. An adult uh, Dick Grayson, still yeah. Robin. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he was Dings. I, I forget that whole thing. But uh, let's finish off our DC talk with, uh, John, you brought this to the table. Uh, and you've been picking up these DC Universe presents since the draft. Uh, yeah, I've been, I've been kind of off and on. Um, I picked up the first... The first couple issues with, Dead with Dead Man. I picked up, I missed the first issue, but got two and three of, um, Challengers. The Challengers. And when I read this, actually Chris came in and pointed it out to me in the solicitations that there's going to be a Savage one. Mm-hmm. And he, he and his daughter are going to be working together, um, to solve a case. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm on. And then when I saw, oh, James Robinson's on it. Bernard Chang, like, I've, I, aside from Shade, I've enjoyed what I've read of James Robinson in the New 52. This is two James Robinson books in one week. Or mm-hmm. one, one month, month for us, I yeah. should say. And, uh, you know, I was like, I, I, I'm there. I'm in there. It's a daughter yeah. coming to her father who's a crazy, for centuries, a mass murderer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and working together, like, I, I definitely want to pick up this book. Yet the daughter doesn't quite believe that he's been alive for centuries. Yeah. And this book, you know, after reading World's Finest and then reading this book, I'm like, what is happening over in the shade? Why is that book not better than it is right now? Like, why can't I not get into this? Because this read really quick and really well. In fact, like, though, in the middle, because of the stupid uh American Ninja Stuff. Yeah, those are the worst. The advertisement. You had that. You had that one splash page where it's like, it's uh, Victor Savage or the Vandal. Vandal Savage, not Victor. Uh, he's called John here. Van, uh, John Savage or Vandal Savage, 
uh, he says like something along the lines like "You're my daughter," and then you got that American Ninja like, uh, advertisement right in the like right in the beginning of the book, and I'm like, "Wow, that was really short." And then I'm like, "Oh no, it keeps on going <laughs> for quite like for the two thirds of the issue." Please, DC, no more advertisements that read like comic books because. It doesn't hook me. It just pisses me off. No, you enjoyed those Subway ones. Those Subway ones were great. (laughs) But you know what? They had a cover at the beginning. Okay. So I didn't continue reading it like, wait, why is Batman and this dude with red hair, like, on the monkey bars? Like, (laughs) the Subway ones were great, Paul. The Subway ones. This says advertisement on the very top, the American Ninja. Yeah, it's like in, like, the (laughs) smallest print. Uh, but anyways, back to, um, the DC Universe book. Presents Savage. You have, um, you have Savage's, uh, daughter brought in, um, who's an FBI profiler mm-hmm. to help find, is it the, I can't, uh, the, the congressman's. The congressman's daughter who has been kidnapped by a copycat of Vandal Savage's murders he got arrested for and is now in jail. And he she is sent to talk to him because no other people who have gone to him have been able to get a response other than him brutally <laughs> brutally maiming or killing them. Or savagely. Oh, oh. titular line. Titular line. It's quite the vandal. Mm-hmm. Um and you have you have <laughs> uh, but you have it. It has a feeling of kind of Hannibal Lecter and Agent Starling in it. It 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 has these overnight overlying things that this is something that Vandal Savage could have set up as some kind of exercise to escape and to set up, you know, mm-hmm. and to set up his daughter and him rekindling each other and her becoming a actual savage because she's changed her name to Sage. Mm-hmm. And he even mentions that, like the characters mentioned that in, in the book itself, that, oh, you took down the Red Murder or what is Red Menace, Red Death. I think that's this like throwaway character that they introduce here. That Because uh, she's interviewing uh, Vandal Savage in Belle Reve. And apparently there was prisoner escape, and he and then uh, she, of course, is left alone in the room with this prisoner, and uh, Vandal Savage is there, just able to watch how he she takes this uh, electric powered uh, crazy supervillain down, and he's and, like, and he yeah. he kind of watches what she does, and kind of gives her a hint and guides her, and mm-hmm. hey, he's electric powered. You have a cup of coffee there, you know, kind of a thing. Well, she, he doesn't say there's a cup. He's yeah, like, but, yes, I understand that he's electric powered, and then yeah. yeah, that part just felt so tacked on for me, though. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, we need that action scene because it's kind of slow here. Yeah, it's. I was okay with you know this FBI agent and her dad talking, especially the bits just when he's like. You know, come back to me when you're graying and your hair and wrinkles around your eyes and tell me it's good genes that keep me looking so young. Mm-hmm. Like, that kind of thing. Just like that whole middle part. I, I just feel like that was kind of one of those, like, don't forget what his powers are. Like, I, 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 I took, it took me out of it. Yeah. I took it as something that 
at the end of it, when Vandal Savage escapes, he's like, it was all, or whatever happens, oh, this is all part of my plan. I had him escape. I had him do this to mm-hmm. see where you lied. Because he's proud at the end when she when she kills him, you know? He has that, the whole time he's, he's got a smile watching her take him on and where they go from there. Mm-hmm. You know, he's the approving father where she's checking his vitals mm-hmm. after she's shot out the back of his head. You know, and then at the end, you know, like, you know, I can't do anything from in here. You have to take me outside of here so I can see these crime scenes. (laughs) And don't forget to call me daddy. Which was really creepy. Which I thought was kind of gross. (laughs) A little gross. Uh, But I thought it was pretty well written. I do feel like that action scene was kind of... I can see where Chris is coming from, where he says it's tacked on, but... It's a comic book, and he kind of yeah. had to have some fighting. Otherwise, why are you showing up? If they were able to up the tension between those two characters just in the dialogue, which I thought they did pretty well I, up I until think so that too. point, yeah. Like, but how far, much, how much farther could they really have gone? Yeah. Like, like, I think he was doing a really good job, though. Like, mm-hmm. just when she was like, and then this, and then this, and this, and I was ten. Yeah. Like. I I think it was doing quite well. This is a like story that I probably wouldn't want to read more than two issues of. Yeah, I think three would probably be okay, but anything beyond that might be just kind of forcing it. Hmm. Um, well, um, the trials of the challengers were only I think three or four, <laughs> so they've cut down from what. You know, the Dead Man 6 issue yeah. one was. And I think they're finally figuring out what they need to do with that is tell store interesting stories with characters that you don't always get or find or a different take on them. The other Vandal Savage we're getting in the DCU is in the mystical Middle Ages. Yeah. Here you have him more as sophisticated. Day. He likes cognac. He wants a lobster dinner. 1940s porn. Nin- yeah. yeah. He doesn't. He's no longer like whatever meat, dragon meat. It's delicious. Like he's he's more sophisticated here, and I enjoy that different take on it. Exactly. Like I actually really enjoyed that too because I think Vandal Savage is mostly used in those stories out of time, mm-hmm. where it's like we need someone back in you know this year. Oh, well, we can use Vandal Savage. All right, cool. Um, I think it's pretty awesome to actually see him today. And like you said, well, you know. Last week, you could have gotten him in Demon Knights, being like just that crazy, off-the-wall character. Because mm-hmm. he's one of those characters you can do that with. But I don't think it's used enough like that. Yeah. But that kind of uh, sophisticated animal is kind of cool, and it kind of picks up with the uh, theme of our next book, which is Frankenstein Alive Alive. And again, this is another book that, John, you brought to us. Uh, I When I saw that... Um, Steve Niles was going to be writing his kind of, at first I thought just his take on a Frankenstein. Um, I was like, oh, like, I definitely would pick that up. He's a giant horror fan. And then to have, um, Bernie, um, Wrightson doing the art, who's known for back in the day doing those kind of horror books. I mean, it's, it's got to be an awesome pleasure for him, for Steve Niles to be working with him. Now, John, before you go into your review of the book, uh, I'm going to just, magically, mystically read your mind and say that you love this. One, because it's Carnival meets a monster. <laughs> uh, so therefore, 
ipso facto, you love it. Uh, I did really, really like this. And after I read it, I wait, said... Wait. That's two reallys. Does that equal a love? It's not a love. It's one really away from loving it, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Is it three reallys to a love? Yep. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, two, two cups and a pint, three reallys and a love. Okay, I gotta read that. That's how it breaks down. I said to Chris, if this was a mini series, six issues, even twelve, like a, you know, a, a maxi series. A maxi series. Which I think is a Chris term. I think, I think I, I would really, really, really <laughs> like this book. Which but is it a seems, love. It seems like it's going to be a ongoing where I'm not going to get everything I wanted up front, mm-hmm. but have to really put in a lot to it. Um, but the artwork in this is amazing. And what you have is the story of Frankenstein after the Mary Shelley yeah. novel. Mm-hmm. And if anyone knows the Frankenstein lore, it's supposed to have been that that manuscript was dropped off to Mary Shelley by a disfigured man who then all of a sudden disappeared. Mm-hmm. And um, but you have you have the story of the monster. Before we go on to the story, can I just say that the quality of the uh, I'm going to call it the trade dress, but the cover. The, the quality of the paper, which is this, like, hard stock there, and also, like... It's like a extra- flat. It's not the, not mm-hmm. a glossy like your yeah, regular yeah. covers. And and just the whole thing. And then to open it up to the first page, I'm like, oh, it's a black and white book? Really? And it's very pencil the art. It seems like everything was done just in a, like a really soft pencil, where they were able to smudge and, and smear. It works well, but... yeah. The cover doesn't portray that really well. That it seemed like a little, like, oh, I didn't know this is what we were picking up here. See, I'm, I'm okay with that though. Yeah. Okay. And the, the retailer cover is the same cover, but in black and white. And then the, the retailer exclusive is a different cover completely in black and white. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you, you see the colored, you see the colored, um, picture and yeah you're not you don't know what to expect yeah. but i mean it's idw you know i i wasn't taken away from it but idw does a lot of colored books especially with their like bigger names like their gi when they had gi joe yeah, but, and i mean it's a license it's a, ghostbusters it, yeah. it's a steve niles if you think mm-hmm. of steve niles books you think 30 days a night which they had there red is, in there there is well, thir- col- no 30 days a night was all colored it was all yeah. colored but it was a you know it's a certain stylized it was, thing it was all you ben temple smith you know it's gonna be a different kind of book so i right. wasn't shocked by that what i was shocked was just like was the art in this how like there's there's parts where this giant winter scene where frankenstein is talking to <laughs> Paul, you could have just asked me to move my chair in. <laughs> Paul's like climbing over everything to get around Chris. But you have you have this winter Arctic scene of uh, the monster talking to Doctor Frankenstein. That's really just in his head, his own kind of projection of his creator. And it's just it's just amazing. And Chris pointed out there's this other scene towards the end with the the volcano, and there's just this shadow on this mountain scene, and it is it's it's. It's really, really amazing art that you don't always see. And I think that's where the fact that this book is in black and white really benefits it because you don't have a lot of colors or heavy inks kind of sprucing up the art. 
what you have here is what Bernie Wrightson has drawn on the page, and it it stands on its own. You don't need like colors or computer like aided gradients in the backgrounds. Like it's it's a gorgeous, gorgeous book, and I actually enjoy this a lot more than I thought I was going to. And you know, just just looking at it too, and with you saying that the art is so it it just really pops and has this character to it that the the word boxes and word balloons just like you can tell i mean they're just clipped out and stuck in there and it to me right now it feels like it's taking away from the art yeah and it, it was kind of funny hearing you talk about how you were interested in seeing uh Stephen Owl's take on the frankenstein myth because he's already done that book it came out a few years ago it's called wake the dead yeah, I never, um, which, I never saw which it. I have it if you want to read it. I, um, I would. Cause I, I was a huge Steve Niles fan. And actually, if you go on to his website, you'll see a blurb from me when I actually used to write comic book reviews on a different website. Um, that he lifted off the site and put on there for 30 days of night. Huh. Strange but true fact about Chris Roy, everybody. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, he's been one of my favorite horror writers. Ever. I don't pick up a lot of horror books besides like the Vertigo stuff, which I don't even consider to be over the top horror. But he has a just great writing style. Everything he writes has a different feel to it. They're always different stories. Um, and this is one that I'm glad you picked it up, John, because I have passed over Steve Niles stuff on the stands before just because I moved away from my $100 a week comic book habit to buying just the stuff that I know I'm going to read this. I know I'm going to like it. Um, so sometimes stuff like this kind of just falls under my radar. And I, I like to go through my solicitations and try to find those new and interesting different books. And I had a pass on a, a Thor book only because I had six other books coming out that, <laughs> that week. Same week. <laughs> the same week. And it was driving me crazy. And I passed off, I passed over two or three different books only because like, I can't have a nine, book week that's just way too much money yeah yeah that was every week for me back when i was <laughs> oh, going crazy on. when we for when chris and i first got back into comics we'd leave the thing and then like i spent 60 dollars. Well, i spent 70 all right you won <laughs> and like that was our competition for the week that was the winner yeah you, yeah you won oh yeah and ask, ask me how many long boxes i have that i'm trying to get rid of right now <laughs> <laughs> but Steve Niles, he's great, and if you enjoy this, John, I'll pass off the rest of my stuff that I have by him, because, I mean, I did a book, Fuse, where it's a guy whose brain gets stuck inside a robot. His um, Freaks at the Heartland was really awesome. Um, He's good, and this kind of put him back on the map for me. Yeah, I like this book a lot more than I thought I would, because, honestly, John, a lot of the books that you pass off, like, what was the last one we did, which the motorcycle Night Force? Oh, Night Force was awful. (laughs) But even the motorcycle gang, uh, it, you know, being chased down by the big rig, you know, the cheaper the, creepers, yeah, the, meets, the, the, yeah. the road Cheaper warriors, or, death proof, yeah, you know, based off the old, the duel, mm-hmm. which didn't interest me. This one actually, like, okay, I could see myself reading off. Uh, you know what? I, 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 you have to take chances, mm-hmm. and I, I look and I, I read the solicitations, and I say, you know what? That sounds interesting, or this. Could be good, and mm-hmm. sometimes they fall flat on their face, and sometimes you get a winner. But you got to take the chance. I and believe. Night Force was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> that was bad. 
Um, I went to the comic book shop to buy our books like two weeks ago, and I saw Night Force on the yeah, stands. Yeah, I was with you. You're like, yeah, and you go, John, Night Force 2 for you. <laughs> I forgot you were there for it, yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, a little more just about the book, and um, but you have Frankenstein, Frankenstein's monster, but mm-hmm. really kind of just Frankenstein. Well, um, it's Frankenstein, he even says he was never made, uh, named by his creator, which is yeah. true to the book. I think Steve Miles really sticks t- true to the Melly Shelley, no- uh, the M. Shelley novel. Uh, but he even says, you know, he goes by Frank in, you know, in here. It's his, it's his stage name. His stage name. Yeah. But you have him working as, you know, you have him working in a carnival. Kind of a thing, and, and accepted by these people for the first time during the Great Depression, <laughs> which makes me think, oh, John freaking loves this book. It's well, I mean, he's he's a timeless character who mm-hmm. obviously can't he can't really die. You know, mm-hmm. there's not what is living about him. You know, yeah. and we see that nothing really kills him by the end of the book, right? And I I think he also survives his trial of fire and ice. And, um, yeah, and it's, it's just, it is a really interesting take on him, especially him having those arguments with his creator who's really not there. It's all in his head, mm. really trying to grasp a and, reason for his existence. And cohesive thought that we're getting from this character. This is a is much enough. better Frankenstein's monster than we got in Van Helsing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But is it a better? I haven't forgotten you, Van Helsing. But is it a better Frankenstein than we're getting in Frankenstein H enough shade? Oh, John, you were buying those. Yes, yes. Okay. If you you answered pick... quicker than Paul thought. Yeah. <laughs> if you had to pick up either one of the books, this one, this one. Okay. Just wonder. Yeah, I... because BPRD is still coming out. Yeah. Yes. Because you're going to pick up Frankenstein Age in a Shade. You're going to pick up BPRD. I think you could do some really good things with Frankenstein Age in a Shade mm-hmm. that they're not doing. And they could really make it its own. Mm-hmm. And they've set up that, you know, they've kind of set up that world. They could take it in some really cool directions. But I don't see, and I don't think it's just, I don't think it's Jeff Lemire doing, you yeah. know, that's mm-hmm. stuck in this world, but what DC wants with that book. Mm-hmm. So here in Frankenstein Live Alive, Frankenstein is working as a sideshow carnival act during the Great Depression because it's a living. Uh, and he has some friends, but he's also reminiscing about how he got here. So we're getting a bit of the postscript of the Mary Shelley novel. Which that's, that's actually the story that I wanted to see. As much as it sounds cool to have mm-hmm. Frankenstein working at a carnival sideshow, I'm just like yeah. the path that he takes to get to, you know, 1920s. Mm-hmm. Well, like, yeah, that's cool. I think that is a more interesting of the two stories that it's going on to. I yeah. agree. John? Uh, I agree too. And just the, the art alone is a worth to, to at least find the first issue and just thumb through it. Mm-hmm. Because it, 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 I, I, I don't want to sound like that it's so great, but it's almost, it's almost breathtaking. You don't, not seeing this kind of art that often in mm-hmm. comic books. So are you sure you really, really like this book, or do you really, 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 really like it? I really, really like this book. I ordered the second mm-hmm. the second issue. Um, I'm not sure if I ordered the third. And I think it's just because I kind of want to see where that second issue goes. Mm-hmm. 
But I mean, it's three ninety nine. It's a lot, oh, yeah. and I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to get invested in a book that I'm going to be spending three ninety nine every month for when I can pick up trade for. Yeah, you know, fourteen ninety nine. Half, half yeah. of what I'd be paying to pick it up in an issue. Okay. IDW has the same business somehow. It's true. It's okay. called licensed comics. <laughs> you know how we have to stay in business by you. Our listeners leaving us a rating and a review. Definitely emphasis on review on iTunes.com or on <laughs> iTunes. It's not that com, is it? No. No. Just, just iTunes. iTunes. But I'm sure it would bring you there if we did that. Uh, I love those. I read them all the time when we get new ones. I appreciate them. So please do that. Also, we love it when you send us emails. Yeah, contact at bangboardcast.com. Hit us up. Let us know if you picked up any of these books. You can send us an email. Uh, send us a message over on Facebook. Post on our wall. We check all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get a lot of information from our, our friend Steve Rosenberg, who lets us know different things that are coming up on Facebook. And also uh, check out our our friends at uh, Confession of a Movie Snob. Mm-hmm. Guys, until next week, uh, what do you have to say? Just don't, don't drink it. big flats. <laughs> <laughs>